If you consider a woman less pure after you've touched her, maybe you should take a look at your hands. Kaija Sabah This week on Points Black. I grew up feeling super guilty about my sexual urges. There will never be a period where I am 100% open and transparent where my sexual interactions are concerned. I remember the first time I yes. kissed a guy, I fasted and prayed. Welcome to Point Black. everybody welcome back to another episode of point black the podcast i'm camellia and of course i have my co-host tashika with me hi tashika how are you hi cam i'm doing well how are you nervous 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 why because at the time of this recording i am watching the election in the u.s um i don't think i'm as nervous as you are i think earlier last night Definitely, I was more nervous, but as the the results start rolling in and watching how CNN has like charted what different what the different paths are to re-election and how slim his chances are, I am hopeful. <laughs> I'm hoping so. And you know what bothers me most about this? Because you know, like in so many other places where elections are being held or elections were recently held, a lot of it was like landslide victory. Like the government was messing with itself and the people came up. And with all that's happening in the U.S., there were so many people who voted for Trump Mm -hmm. and his divisiveness and his white supremacist rhetoric and all of that. Like that bothers me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I am very nervous. I hear that. It just goes to show like what America is or how America is Mm -hmm. and how they've always been, really. And I'm saying like, even if you don't take into consideration, let's say you're not for Black Lives Matter because you feel like white lives matter more than anybody else's life and you're not against xenophobia, you're not against treating immigrants badly. Look at COVID. Look at the Mm -hmm. handling of COVID and how many people have died. Like this crosses all borders and not even that prompted you to think differently about anything. Yeah, I remember, um, I believe in one of the interviews, you know, when they it to the reporters that are actually unseen at the polling stations. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the participants, one of the voters actually said that she decided to vote for Trump because of how well he handled the COVID situation. And I'm just like, is she living in an alternate reality? How? Uneducated, a lot of uneducated people or oh. people who are just unexposed and I don't know. but All the uns. <laughs> all the odds. Yeah, it bothers me. But, yes, what doesn't bother me is the topic that we're about to discuss, <laughs> which is sexual repression. I wonder why. I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about sexual repression versus sexual encouragement. And we're doing it generally. I will pay some attention to how that works in the church setting because I'm a church girl, if you want to call it that. We're both church girls, really. So Mm -hmm. we look at it broadly and then we kind of zone in on that aspect of it. So sexual Mm -hmm. repression versus sexual encouragement. When you hear that, Tash, what comes to your mind? Um, 
for me, I think it starts in the home. Like, mm-hmm. before you even get socialized outside of the home, I feel like sexual repression is the inability to express yourself sexually. That's really what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the home is one of the places that doesn't foster open conversations around sex, no matter your age. Mm-hmm. So even if you're a child and you're just naive and you just want to know what's happening without any kind of sexual connotations whatsoever, it's a no-go. If you're a teenager and you're actually interested and intrigued by the idea of sex and you want to discuss it, it's a no-go. And as an adult, because of how repressed you have been over the years, you still feel uncomfortable discussing the topic of sex openly. So I feel like for me, when I hear sex or repression, I think about how parents socialize their kids towards the topic. And usually it's in the negative. Exactly. Particularly if you grow up with parents who tend to be more traditional um, Mm -hmm. in their beliefs and more conservative in their beliefs where they're like, oh, like that's off topic. We don't discuss that. And Mm -hmm. also, I think it goes back to how they were raised too, right? Because like, for example, when I was growing up, there was no conversation about any kind of sex, anything in my house. My mom bought me a ton of books. So, you know, young woman and all these Christian books and stuff. But the narrative was just... At least you had books. (laughs) I know. I had a ton of books because I was... Well, I'm still a reader. So she bought me those. And that's how I got my knowledge of sex or anything Mm -hmm. sexual from reading those books. But even those books, they... While I subscribed to that kind of notion, um, it only gave you one idea of how sex is. One perspective. One perspective, right. And it's that it ought to be had in marriage. It's not like you're not even supposed to kiss before that and all Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And that affected me growing up to the point where like anything sexual, I would be hiding away. And then when I grew up, I'm like, what kind of foolishness is this? I think it was the opposite for me. Really? I think I remember, yeah, like, well, not the opposite in terms of, like, the conversation was, um, you know, in our household. Definitely not. It's still the same, but in, so, like, for you, at least your parents, you know, they understood that it's a topic that you need to be knowledgeable about, and so they provided you with an alternative if they weren't prepared to have the discussion. Mm-hmm. My parents were not prepared to have the discussion and somehow they kind of just figured that I'd, you know, come into this knowledge on my own at some point. Mm-hmm. The only knowledge I had about sex is that it's not supposed to happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there was nothing, you know, taught to me. There was no discussions had. And then somehow as an adult, you know, my mother now felt like, okay, she must have gone through some things. I can have these discussions with her now as an adult. And I find it odd. I find it weird. Weird. That's what I want to Cultivating that kind of relationship. So now that you want to talk about sex with me and having partners and stuff like that, that is like, ah, this is not something we talk about. Exactly. <laughs> like, let's not become, you know, the people who talk. No. And that's why I think it's so important because you're trying to, that you want to be able to have those open conversations with your children as they grow older, but there has to be a foundation. Yeah, you can't start when I'm 30. I'm not telling you anything. Like, I'm not comfortable telling you that. 
So now I'm, I'm, I'm pleasant about the topic, mm-hmm. but I would never, like how I see some mother-daughter relationships where they talk about their partners and how things are and, you know, what they do or don't do and how, you know, things can be better. I would never broach that kind of conversation. My sister does it with my mom. And my mom would like, she would make hints about certain things to me. Like when my back was hurting, she'd like, hmm, you're going to need your box. So you try to fix it up and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So she's like, but like, sitting down, I'm not having that conversation with you. I'm sorry. We talk about everything, but we're not having it. And that's because the foundation wasn't built. And because that foundation wasn't built, I grew up feeling like super guilty about my sexual urges. I remember the first time I yes, kissed yes. a guy, I fasted and prayed because based on what the books were telling me, kissing is not mm-hmm. supposed to happen outside of marriage. I was not married. How dare you go kiss somebody? And so like, there's always yeah. this guilt associated with sex for me. Absolutely. I feel the same way too. And I feel like because there has been a lot more time invested in repression versus encouragement, mm-hmm. like there will never be a period where I am 100% open and transparent where, you know, my sexual interactions are concerned. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there's always a part of me that will believe that this part is not for public knowledge it's not for public discussion it's it's just something that even if you're versed <laughs> in it it's for you and whomever you're versed in it with mm-hmm. and i think one of the things for me too is the fact that like outside of my mother mm-hmm. i only have brothers and i dare not broach the topic of sex with my older brothers Really? So I am the youngest and the only girl. There was never an outlet yeah. where I felt safe to have this kind of discussion because it would always be like my mother wouldn't have it. And my brothers were just hell bent on, you know, keeping my purity intact. So not even a discussion about the issue was on the table. Outside of the discussion, don't you talk about it like with your friends, like with your close girlfriends? Mm-mm. That's no. what I'm saying. No. Girl. That's what I'm saying. It's like, now that I'm older, mm-hmm. I don't mind having these, these conversations because conversations are meant to be had. Mm-hmm. But growing up, like, say, as a teenager in high school. Oh, God, no. And for even after high school, so teenager in high school, because it's at that point that you start getting curious about guys, right? Mm-hmm. So that girls would have those conversations about guys. And then moving from that into the university level and persons at that point were actually actively having relationships. Mm-hmm. Not even then. And for a very long time when I just, like in my early 20s, still no. Like it was just was a (laughs) non-topic yeah Yeah. it was very taboo it was a non-topic and I found that because of that kind of background when it came on to having a partner and feeling empowered in your relationship in terms of knowing what you like don't like what is okay not okay what you're looking for or don't want to engage in that also becomes a topic that's difficult or a conversation that's difficult to have because mm-hmm. you're not used to the openness of talking about about sex. I think it takes a lot of unlearning because up until like I was in my late 20s, 
my best friend Ruth and, and maybe a couple other girls and stuff, we would have discussions about it. But it was never, like, I was always on the listening side of it, right? Right. And then, <laughs> and then the older I got, and I'm like, this is foolishness. So in the, the, the whole idea of masturbation, I grew up thinking that it was the worst thing ever because they say you're having sex with yourself and it's a sin and stuff. I had to unlearn the whole idea because in my mind, like I was on a church discussion one time and they're like, okay, so if you're not having sex, you're waiting until you're married. What about masturbation? And I was like, you might as well get to know yourself in the whole time because by the time you get married, nobody will have no time to learn, oh, I like this and I like that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how dare you? And I'm like, how you mean? how dare you they started making me question did i do something wrong did i say something right. wrong? it's that level of sexual repression i've seen it spill over into so many marriages where particularly for women because usually you know men boys will be boys and if men do it you know they're not supposed to but men can't control their this so there are always excuses made for men but particularly right. for women like they go into these marriages and when they don't even want to take off them clothes in their life Right. You have to have sex because <laughs> and you're only supposed to have sex on certain at certain times, at certain angles and all that. And I'm like, that hurt marriages. God does not want that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not me that they would even consider like in the confines of marriage that there are still appropriate and inappropriate ways to have sex. That is mind boggling to me. But it comes from so many years of learning that sex is this bad thing. By the time you get to that age, like you have so many negative association with sex that you're only doing it because you're expected to do it. You're not doing it because it is a fun experience and it's a part of life. And so I feel like, as you mentioned earlier, we need to expose our kids to the idea of sex. I'm going to teach my kids that sex is a beautiful thing. But you don't give that beauty to just any anybody, right? right. So I'm going to make, allow them to have an appreciation of it. So when they get older and them decide to have sex, whether or not they might wait until they're married, but I want them to have sexual expression, express yourself because you're a sexual being. And to mm-hmm. deny yourself of that expression is to deny parts of you. Absolutely. I think one of the things too is that I believe that it's possible to be sexually repressed with other people but not with self if that makes sense so i feel like you can feel empowered when you're on your own if you're somebody who masturbates you're empowered when you do that you feel good when you're by yourself when you touch yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror you feel great but the minute a second party joins that that experience then you can go right back into your shell because now there are questions that you might have in terms of what's okay for you. Do they see that as being okay? Or do they accept the things that you want to engage in as, you know, normal, quote mm-hmm. unquote, <laughs> right? Since you're talking about what's appropriate or inappropriate. Mm-hmm. But I feel like everybody has their own attitudes and behaviors towards sex. And so when we meet a partner, while it's important to put those things on the table, I don't think that everybody possesses the sexual empowerment mm-hmm. required to, you know, just openly express themselves what they like, what they don't like, what they want, what my desires, what my fantasies are mm-hmm. to their partner or to like a fear of being judged. That's where communication comes in. 
I think it would be best if you had a partner that you can pretty much have any kind of open conversation with. Mm-hmm. And so if you have that kind of level of trust and that level of openness in other aspects of your relationship, then it will naturally spill over into the sexual part of it. Mm-hmm. So if I like when you ring my big toe two times and something, I was like, I'm like, Lord, me like when I ring my big toe two times, right? <laughs> So maybe it takes me a while before we get there, but you have to be constantly building on the communication. But what about when it's things that you dislike? Because I find that it's easier to talk about the things that you like because it's a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you do this and you do it well and I like it. Sure, it's a compliment. They feel good. But what about when the behaviors are not up to par, up to standard? Or you want to venture down a particular route that might be, you know, taboo for your partner. I feel like those discussions are the discussions that are more tricky. It takes unlearning. So you have to be willing in yourself to recognize, you know what? I am a sexual being. I have these desires and there's nothing wrong with the desire. It starts with acknowledgement. So acknowledging that can help you to bridge that or to cross over that bridge to where you can, you know what? I don't like that because Let's say, for example, I don't know if I'm going over the whole thing, but let's say, for example, you're waiting to have sex until you find a partner, y'all are committed to each other, or until you get married. And you've, you've been waiting, 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 waiting. And finally, you find a partner. You're like, you know, we're going to get down to business. Mm-hmm. And when you get down to business, as Mr. Mia ring my big toe two times, and why my big toe ring three times? Because it's two times, something nah, do nothing to me. Imagine waiting all that time only now to come to the ring big toe, Yeah. So I think it's all about how you how you say it. Mm-hmm. You have to know your partner and then decide how best to say that that's something that don't work for me. Like that's something that don't do nothing for me. Thanks, but make we try something else. I hear that. And like you said, something that, you know, for persons who are a little bit more reserved, they definitely have to work up to that point. But I feel too that, you know, forget about the partnership, forget about you being in a relationship, just you exploring who you are or you engaging in sex and then feeling guilty about engaging in something that brings you pleasure so whether it's sex whether it's masturbation whatever it is Mm -hmm. but in the moment you do it and it's great and then you sit back after and you're like oh my gosh I shouldn't have done that oh my gosh you know the world is going to end because I masturbated Mm -hmm. and I was told from you know 1987 when I was born to this point that masturbation is a sin and I should be engaging it I think one of the things we have to do is to look at the the messages that we've received over the years, mm-hmm. how we can switch those messages from like the negatives associated with a particular thing mm-hmm. to what are the positives that result from you engaging in that activity. So, like you were saying, you know, mm-hmm. if you're somebody who masturbates, then it's a good way if you're waiting. 30 years to find a partner you already know what you like you know you know you're familiar with your body you know exactly where he needs to touch you or she needs to touch you whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and you become better at asking for what you want because you know what it is because not everybody is patient to explore your body with you exactly (laughs) okay you don't know how you need to be touched i don't know how you need to be touched huh they're just gonna touch you anyhow yeah right And I feel like the more you engage in these activities, 
the more you actually give yourself like a boost of confidence, the more you do it. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Because it's almost like there is a connection that you now have with your body, how you feel, your self-esteem is increased, you know, what you can and can't do. I don't know. I feel like there is just... It's a boost of energy it's a boost of morale it's a boost of it's a boost of everything because whether or not people want to agree people need to be released mm-hmm. you know jamaican say island are your back <laughs> yeah so after a while and if it is that you're deciding to keep yourself until such time what are you supposed to do just sit down and, and do what no so it does ease your mind it eases your stress so i hear <laughs> <laughs> You see, the fact that you needed to throw that disclaimer in there is the whole reason we're having this conversation, right? The fact that you're like, you know, so I hear. Just in case you guys thought I was engaging in these things, I'm not. But you know, no, 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 no. Like I did. I remember when Ruth and I did a podcast. We had a full-on discussion about it, and there was no mm-hmm. guessing or spelling of anything. Well, um, why is it though that we feel the need? So, like in terms of learning or like passing on these practices why do we feel the need to repress our sexual desires like what is the harm in exploring oneself what is like why is it so taboo i think from so from a christian perspective i think it came out of or it comes out of the idea that you're not supposed to like sex is supposed to be for marriage and then in christendom Sex isn't just about intercourse. It's anything sexual. And so as a result of that, they tell you, you know, just leave everything out. And unless you are married, don't do these things. If you do these things, you're sinning against your body. You're sinning against God. And as a good Christian girl, you don't want to be sinning against your body and sinning against God. And so all these negative things, all these negative emotions, Mm -hmm. you associate them with anything that have to do with, especially if you're not married. But then the same is the same isn't necessarily true for men. We don't raise our boys like that. Right. So like there's this double standard where I feel like only women are expected to be, you know, pure until marriage, whereas men they can kinda come in anyhow. Oh, you're a virgin, great, not a virgin, even better. And if you're a virgin, then what have you been doing? Women are concerned. Exactly. You're actually frowned upon. Yeah, like you are a virgin as a man. Like it's the complete opposite. So you know the Bible was written in the context where women didn't have a voice per se. So it was like a more masculine kind of society. So women are supposed to be pure and delicate and you're not supposed to do this and you're not supposed to do that. And a woman's integrity and a woman's purity, for want of a better word, was linked to her sexuality. And so you can't, if you do this, then you're no longer mm-hmm. a lady and everybody wanted to look like a lady. And so nobody would go out of the norm to try anything else. So it goes back to like those gender roles then mm-hmm. that determine what was acceptable or not acceptable. Absolutely. And all that carried And over. I think speaking to like gender roles as well, I think one of the things where gender roles is concerned too is that there is a message that women or girls receive in terms of if we're having sex, it's supposed to be for affection or protection and not mere enjoyment. Whereas mm-hmm. for men, 
you know, sex for enjoyment is okay. And that is the main reason you have sex for enjoyment. Whereas women, it's for affection. And if you're a woman who has sex purely for enjoyment, then you're a whore, you're a slut. How dare you? I think they connect that to how we're made up. Because you know, women are more emotional. Women are naturally more emotional. Women... There are women who don't have those emotional ties while having sex and they really just want to have sex for the mere pleasure that it brings. But they're unable to do that because, you know, the idea is frowned upon. Yeah, but I feel like more and more women are doing that now because of feminism and they're claiming their own and all of that. So more and more women, a lot of them are still frowned upon because even though like I had to unlearn some of these negative things about sex, I still hold on to some ideas that a woman can't do the same thing that a man does in terms of having multiple partners. I don't think anybody should do it, but I will still want to judge a woman who does that. So I still hold on mm. to those things. I may have to unlearn them. It may take some time. So while I unlearn parts of it, I haven't unlearned all of it. And so these women who have sex just for, just for pleasure, no strings attached or anything, they are still frowned upon by like a large portion of society. So we know that one of the negative consequences of not repressing your sexuality and you know, engaging with whomever you want for the purposes of pleasure. One of the negative consequences is the label of promiscuity that comes with that and the whore slut shaming that happens. But I feel like there are also negative consequences that happen because you repress your sexual urges, your sexual desires that persons don't speak about as readily such as like you were saying going back to jamaica when you say you have oil in your back and you need the release you need the tension to be released right Mm -hmm. so i feel like if you're repressing um your urges or your desires to have sex then it can cause tension in your body it can cause trouble sleeping it can make it more difficult for you to have an orgasm or you might suffer from premature ejaculation if you're a male Mm -hmm. right it might be that you end up having some kind of pain or discomfort during sex because you have not engaged in the act for how many umpteen period of time. I was going to say years, but period of time. <laughs> and there's like emotional distress that you go through, right? There's like, if you're somebody who has never engaged in, you know, any kind of sexual encounters, then there is a, a fear or anxiety that builds up the older you get Mm -hmm. in your first time, you know, like, am I going to be good? What do I do? How do I do it? You know, when there's a lot of consequences that result that persons don't really take into consideration. So true. So we mentioned sexual repression, being taught that as an early age, Let's look a little on sexual encouragement. How do you teach that to your kids? Like, we don't have kids, but how do you teach that to kids and young people without them thinking that you're giving them license to just go have sex with anybody? I think it's a very tricky area to navigate, and it's important that we go at the pace of the child who's interested in learning. Mm-hmm. So... There is, I think, as we age, there's a level of curiosity that builds. 
and our interest or our need to learn more about our sexuality comes to the fore. So for example, if you're like a four-year-old or a two-year-old, you might not care about, you know, your mom's underwear or your mom's bra. You might run around with it on your head. It's a non-issue. Like you don't see any kind of sexual that word I can't find, mm-hmm. <laughs> attached to these items, right? right? So at that age, you allow them to enjoy that innocence. You allow them to, to engage in those things without disciplining them for it or taking it away from them, kind of like some kind of repercussion for the fact that they're holding your bra or they're holding your underwear. Because mm-hmm. now you've developed a negative relationship with that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's something that they're not supposed to touch, not supposed to see, not supposed to, right? You've right. developed a negative relationship there. And I feel like in addition to learning at their pace, every child matures differently. So it's not like I can say, oh, at age six teach this at age 10 make sure you you have this covered at age 14 go over this 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 and this Mm -hmm. but just the idea to be open to those conversations when they arise and it can't be that you're trying to cultivate an atmosphere that's open to conversations around sexual urges and desires but you're closed in every other aspect so Mm. you have to build a relationship with your child where you're open and fluid in every other area of life as well. Because it's impossible for me as a child to want to speak to you about this if I can't speak to you about other areas as well. Mm -hmm. So having those conversations, knowing when going at the child's um, pace is important. And then sometimes watching behaviors and deciding to engage in those conversations even if they're uncomfortable with them, because I find that teenagers are forever uncomfortable with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> as long as it's a parent having the conversation, mm-hmm. they're forever uncomfortable with it. So sometimes you have to lead, you have to, you know, decide that it's time for us to have a sit down and talk about this. And forget this foolishness about the birds and the bees. Nothing ever annoy me so that this. <laughs> words and these conversations like I think we need to stop using metaphors we need to stop babying our children and actually have direct conversations with them about topics that are this important couldn't agree with you more so have those conversations and if you find that you are not comfortable enough having those conversations, he needs to question your own sexual repression and why you feel uncomfortable having the conversation with your child. Because mm. if you're big enough to have a picnic, you're supposed to be big enough to talk about sex openly. Obviously, you're engaging in it. Okay? Let's say you've passed that stage and you're listening and you're a teen or you're an adult and you recognize that you have these negative associations with sex and anything sexual. I suggest you start unlearning. As I mentioned way before, one of the first things you can do is acknowledge that sex is not sin. Wanting to have sex is not sin. Having all these different urges and these different desires, they are not sinful. Like you were created like that. Like I, I remember last week I was talking to God and I'm like, God, I know I'm not supposed to, based on the whole context of not being married and all of that. But me like, God, I want to. I really, really want to. So you have to be open with it because God, like God made you that way. 
Yes, mm-hmm. it makes you to have these urges and these desires if it is that you feel like, you know, you have to wait until a certain time. Because something else. Or practice some mindfulness. Sit down with your sexual thoughts. <laughs> I like it. Practice some mindfulness. Sit <laughs> <laughs> with your thoughts about sex. Feel them, okay? Let them curse through your veins. Sit them until they become comfortable for you. Poetry. Come, Tash. Come through poetry. <laughs> what Tash said. You have to be comfortable with it. You have to be. Because if you're not comfortable with it, you are going to make it uncomfortable for anybody that you get with because mm-hmm. you're going to feel like they're parts of your body. Like I hear people talking about, oh, them not the oral sex, them not the this, them not the that, because that part of the body is this. And look here, it's a whole body to be explored. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you start putting all these different limits on it, you limit the other person and the other person's expression. Is that what you want to do? And on that note, we're going to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast, but the discussion is not done. Join us next week for part two when we delve into so much more about sexual repression as opposed to sexual encouragement. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Point Black D Podcast. Until next week, have an awesome weekend and see you then. Mm-hmm.